good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Ryan, if I haven't met you before. And will you imagine with me uh, a line right here in front of me? And on this side is when I was born, 1978. Good year, good year. Thank you, yes, yes. And then we're about right in here, 2022. And then, well, maybe over here, well, let's just call this 2055, shall we? is my, my death over here. And in between it, my life, my little life, right? There it is. It's all I get. That's all I get. And maybe you were born somewhere over here, so you get a little bit more on this side. I see Yash represented over there. What's up, Yash? So maybe you get a little more on this side. But you know, it doesn't make too much of a difference because it's this little life, and it goes just like that, just like that. And regardless of how long we live, the question is, have you really lived? Not just gone through the motions of life, which is just like what I end up doing most of the time, but in the words of Jesus, are you going to have life? Have it to the full. Because that's what your creator wants most for you. Jesus came so that you might come alive to life. So today, on the last Sunday of our series, we are talking about coming alive to joy. We save joy for last because it's my favorite. <laughs> Anybody here need more joy in your life? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. So um, how, how exactly are you going to go about that? Because isn't that weird? It's the weird thing about joy. You can't just go get it, right? Like you can't really pursue happiness because joy is a byproduct. It's what you get when you're doing other things. And here's what the, the psych research has been saying for years and what the scriptures have been saying for a couple thousand years. If you want joy, cultivate more gratitude in your life. If you want joy, cultivate more gratitude in your life. Because joy is a natural byproduct of gratefulness. And if gratitude seems to be kind of like lacking in your life, if joy seems to be lacking in your life, I am willing to bet that there is one of three culprits robbing you of gratitude. So I'm going to share with you three gratitude blockers with you this morning. You know, like, um, you know, like beta blockers, you know? I, I guess they, they block beta. Is that a thing? I don't know. Okay. My, I just got the stink eye from my nurse wife. Okay, good. <laughs> Excellent. Three things that prevent us from being thankful, because here's the deal, you guys. Occasions for gratitude are always available to us. All the time. Right in front of us. And I, I don't care like, who you are. I don't care what your life is like. Gratitude is available to you. Um, you know, like, like Pastor Zach right now, I was a chaplain for two years at Harborview, which is a level one trauma center. And I met people in just terrible, terrible situations and filled with immense gratitude. I don't get it, but it's true. I saw it, right? People who, who lost the function of their legs and filled with immense gratitude. People who, whose bodies were severely burned in house fires and filled with immense gratitude. It is a mystery to me. I don't get it. But I know 
that it's true, and I know that gratitude is always available to us. I mean, uh, that's why we're told in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for your life, to give thanks in all circumstances. So today, I want to share three, top three gratitude blockers and also their remedies. Um, a little warning here, though. There might be some truth bombs in here, and you may discover that one of these three gratitude blockers is more at play in your life than another one. And remember that that's for you to discover for yourself, so it's rude to elbow the person next to you, like, oh, that one is yours. Okay, all right, Ben, okay? So don't do that, okay? Don't do that. So here we go, are you ready? You can take notes, this is gonna be good. You can take notes if you want, okay. Here's one of the best ways to block the joy of God that comes with gratitude. Number one is cynicism. Ben, I said don't do it. <laughs> cynicism, I'm just joking. <laughs> cynicism can only see the flaw in things. It acknowledges that like, sure, uh, life is a gift from God, but it could be better, right? Cynicism is not the same as constructive criticism because it's not actually interested in improvement. It's content with deconstruction. It looks at anything good with an air of suspicion, like, really? I mean, you want me to be grateful for that? It interrogates grace. Cynicism interrogates grace. It calls goodness a liar. So here's a little secret. Do you want to know if you suffer from cynicism and criticalness? Ask yourself this question. Do you frequently say to your loved ones, why are you so defensive? If so, you may suffer from criticalness. And it's probably blocking your ability to experience gratitude and joy. The relationship researcher, Dr. John Gottman, says that there's this direct correlation between the level of criticalness in a marriage and the likelihood of divorce. And he calls it one of the four horsemen of the relational apocalypse, a sure sign that the end is near. And it's not just bad for relationships, it also keeps us from coming alive to joy, people. So is there anything that can be done about this? No. Just joking, yes. <laughs> Uh, the cynics were like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> First, we can renounce cynicism. Yes, I know it seemed like a good way to protect your heart from disappointment. But now it's clear that it's actually preventing you from gratitude and joy. So reject it. Say to your cynicism, I'm sorry, I don't want to walk around in the world that way anymore. And then turn towards delight. Because delight is the remedy for cynicism. Delight is the cherishing of what's good. Cole Arthur Riley writes, I'm convinced that if we are to survive the weight of justice and liberation, we must become people capable of delight and people who have been delighted in. Did you know that God made you to be delighted in? It's true. And delight is a practice that you can cultivate. You can do delight. 
Play is, is delight in action. You can initiate a tickle fight. You can play a joke on someone this week. You can delight with your, your senses. You can delight in flavors and perfume and art and music and movement. You can go dancing. And dancing is like the best way to play and delight. And lucky for you, <laughs> Salt House is literally throwing a dance party. And it's happening right now. Jason, hit the music. No? Oh. We, oh, we moved it to Wednesday night. Okay. Well, great. All my notes just say start dancing now. No, I'm just playing. Okay, we still got two more gratitude blockers to go. The first one, the first one is delight, is the remedy to what? Cynicism. Second one is a cousin to cynicism, and it's called comparison. Where cynicism says, eh, it could be better. Comparison says, I think what they got is better. And it's comparison that drives capitalism. Like, did you know that every day we see a few thousand advertisements who all have the same goal in mind, to convince you that you're unhappy. But see how happy that person is? Well, you can be this happy too, but you gotta buy this product. And there's a different word for comparison that we don't use very often anymore. It's the vice called envy. Envy. And envy is devastating our ability to feel gratitude. And I'm, gosh, I'm not like exaggerating about the dangers here. Um, it's the same effects with social media. Uh, both of them use, utilize envy. Uh, researchers have tracked the rise of social media and then social media on cell phones and then social media on cell phones in the hands of teens. And they've discovered this, this correlation with the, the rise of teen depression, anxiety, self-harm, because they follow an identical trajectory on the graphs. Envy is such a powerful vice. Social media companies, they know its power. Ad companies, they know its power. They know how to exploit it. And this is the, uh, this is the commandment that is most often forgot. Thou shalt not covet. Another old word. Because it's dangerous. And doesn't lead us to life. So the problem with comparison and envy is that it's always at the other's expense. Right? It makes you feel superior when another fails. It makes you feel inferior when another succeeds. But the call of the Christian is the exact opposite. Uh, Romans 12, 15, Paul urges us, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And therein lies the remedy to envy. Because the remedy for envy is kindness. I think we, like, we probably use the word empathy a lot more today than kindness. But my goodness, it's the same medicine. Uh, don't you think our country could use the medicine of kindness right now? Holy smokes. I mean, how are we going to get through the next two years as neighbors in this country, people? Kindness. I know it doesn't, it doesn't seem like you know, the logical response. Kindness. 
How are we going to get through Thanksgiving dinner with certain family members on Thursday? Kindness. Renounce comparison. Renounce envy. Reject it wholeheartedly, as if your life depended on it. And in its place, practice kindness. And I am just, I am certain. I don't think I'm over-promising here. I am certain that you'll discover the joy of gratitude this way. Okay, one last one. One last gratitude blocker, and it's called arrogance. Where cynicism says, eh, it ain't great. And comparison says, I want what you got. Arrogance says, um, who am I supposed to thank exactly? Oh yeah, me. <laughs> Arrogance has nothing to be grateful for because it sees itself as the sole provider of anything good in life. I did it on my own. And this is the, you know, this is the older meaning of the word pride. A sense of spoiled entitlement that forgets that the creator is the giver of all good gifts. So in the book of Deuteronomy, the people of God come to the edge of the land that God promised them, and they're being prepared to receive this incredible gift that they could never give themselves. Pastor Zach led us through this. And because God knows how easy it is to forget where you come from, to forget who you are, the book of Deuteronomy uses one word repeatedly. It says, remember. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt. Remember that it was Yahweh who liberated you from slavery. Remember so that your heart doesn't become arrogant and so that you do not forget Yahweh your God. The remedy for arrogance is to embrace humility through remembering. Is, I thought it was a really compelling sermon two weeks ago. I'm going to go back and watch that before Thanksgiving. There's this other remedy for arrogance, um, but it's not as pleasant. Um, the Proverbs say, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. But you don't have to go that route. You don't have to go that route, friends, because if we reject arrogance and instead practice remembering that God is God and we're not, then gratitude is right there for us. And with gratitude, joy. And if we reject envy and instead practice kindness, then gratitude is right there for us. And with gratitude comes joy. And if we reject cynicism and instead practice delight, then gratitude is right there for us. And with gratitude, joy. So as, as we come to a close, and Pastor Sarah's going to lead us in prayers in a minute, um, and she's going to help us kind of wrap up this whole season of coming alive. But before she does, will you just, um, like I did in the beginning, draw that little line in front of you. See that little line there. And on the one side, there's <laughs> Andrew. Bring it in. Bring it in. There you go. <laughs> on that one side is your birth. And on the other side, your death. And in between is your tiny, precious life. And now take that life and just hold it in your hands. 
See it there in your hands. For this is the Creator's free gift to you. How do you want to live it? Let's sing and pray.